This episode of Cheat Codes, a sickle cell podcast, is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. This episode of Cheat Codes was supported by Global Blood Therapeutics. What's up, Warriors? It's me, Dr. Z. And me, Dr. C. How are you doing, Dr. C? I'm doing good. You know, I was thinking, Dr. Z, it's been about a year and a half of cheat codes now, and I, I remember the first episode we we taped at a restaurant on our iPhone. We didn't know what we were doing, and uh, we've got you know about forty episodes now, and I, I'm I'm so proud of cheat codes. I, I think it really has accomplished what we wanted it to. We've had a lot of great guests on, a lot of great topics. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, man. Um you know, obviously bloodstream media and what they've done for us and really given us this platform, you know, they make us sound good, which is amazing. Hard to do a hard job, a hard job. And of course our founding sponsor is global blood therapeutics, man. Yeah. This, this couldn't have happened without, without our sponsors and GBT has been a great partner. Shout out to those guys for, for, for making this happen. You're right, man. I uh, never envisioned that cheat codes would have um, become what it has, and I'm really proud of it. And I think you know, p- part part of part of the proudness comes from the fact that cheat codes is not mine. It's not yours. It belongs to this community, right? Everything that we do, it belongs to this community. This this platform's no different. This is the community's platform. Absolutely. I, I feel like um, it's been a, a venue for a great community to get together and talk about things that are important to the community. And it's been it's been a pleasure to be a little part of that. So one thing we need to share with the community is a slight diversion that my career and Dr. C's career is going to be taking over these next, uh, over these next few years. So we have a lot of ways in which we make impact on the sickle cell community. Some of that happens in the walls of a studio making cheat codes. Some of that happens in a a wall of a clinic room seeing patients. Some of that happens in a wall of an office trying to find new drugs that potentially could benefit sickle cell warriors. The battle is always the same though. The battle is, is fighting for sickle cell warriors to live a better life. And, uh, you know, Dr. C, I think we should share our news with, with our listeners. Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, it's, it's no shift in focus. Our goal is, is still to make lives better for people living with sickle cell, but we're going to do it in a different way. Yeah. So we're, we're going to head over to a company called Agios Pharmaceuticals based out of Cambridge, Massachusetts. And we're going to work to make some medicines for sickle cell warriors, obviously, that's an area that's super important in pushing the ball down the field and, and trying to get sickle cell patients towards a better quality of life. But what does that mean for cheat codes, man? And so, you know, I'm really excited about that. I, th- I think it's not going to be a huge change in cheat codes. Um, you know, we're still going to do cheat codes. We're still going to have great guests on. We're still going to have great episodes. There might be because we're working for a company making medicines um, some topics that we can't touch, and we might have some guests hosts on to to talk about those kind of things. But I I think the listener experience for cheat codes I hope won't change at all, and um, keep keep moving forward with great guests and great topics. I agree, man. Yeah, I think that, like I said, this platform that we envisioned several years ago has taken a life of its own, and um, 
really does belong to the community. So I'm proud to be able to share this platform with others. And, and I hope that we keep on contributing and keep on making meaningful content and uh, keep delivering the message that deserves to be heard by by anyone who is interested in sickle cell disease. For sure. And uh, let's let's get to it. Let's make another episode. You're listening to Cheat Codes, a sickle cell podcast with Dr. Amar Zaidi and Mike Callahan. Living in a family affected by rare or chronic disease can be isolating. And sometimes the best medicine is simply connecting to the voices of other people who share your experience. This is why Bloodstream Media produces podcasts, blogs, and other forms of content for patients, families, and caregivers affected by rare and chronic disease. Visit bloodstreammedia.com to learn more. All right, Cheat Codes listeners, it gives me immense pleasure to reintroduce uh, Cheat Codes all-star, Dr. Patrick Hines, CEO and founder of Functional Fluidics. Dr. Hines, welcome to Cheat Codes once again. Dr. C, Dr. Z, it's great being with you guys again. How are you doing? Great. Good to see you again. Excellent. So, Dr. Hines, I uh, originally had this discussion of our schedule to happen at the best of FSCDR episode that we had recently because you gave a fantastic keynote presentation. But here's the thing, man. The thing is that you have an assay, a new blood test that warriors really need to know about. They need to know it exists. They need to know why it's important. They need to understand the basics of it. They need to understand why they should be talking to their doctor about it. So I figured we take some time to, to really parse that out here on Cheat Codes. What do you think? I think that's a great idea. I, I'm excited to talk to the warriors about uh, the work we're doing on their behalf and uh, educating them about uh, other opportunities uh, other than just therapeutics about how they can keep themselves healthy and advocate for themselves. So very, very excited to do this. And I'm really excited about this because this is something we've been talking about for a long time. I mean, we talk a lot about how it's really hard to um, gauge severity in sickle cell or um, to figure out where a person's at in, t in terms of you know, how well their disease is being managed or what their risk is of having VOCs or complications going forward. And we've had really limited tools to figure that out. Um, but that's that's something you've been working on here. And, and I've heard you say something like a hemoglobin A1C or a, like a glucometer check for your for your diabetes. That's what we're trying to come up with with for sickle cell. And uh, I know Put a tremendous amount of work into this, but I, I feel like it's finally getting there. I mean, lots lots of doctors are using this now, and we're really able to use it as a tool to decide, you know, what treatments, when, how the treatments are working. I'm I'm excited to have a tool like that. Yeah, and and you brought up a really good um, analogy, uh, Doctor C, with diabetes and and hemoglobin A1C um, and and blood sugar for that matter, which are things that we monitor on a regular basis in individuals with diabetes, because by definition, if you have diabetes, you have problems with your blood sugar. And so we aren't going to wait until you have an in-organ problem, diabetic vasculopathy, diabetic neuropathy, um, any of these other uh, clinically 
perceptible problems by the patient before we intervene and say that we're going to try to keep you healthier and not just react to the manifestations of the disease that we can that we can see and feel. Um, and it's it's sort of been my passion for my career to be able to develop and, and, and have something available like that for people living with sickle cell disease. Um, because personally, I, I feel like it's, it's unacceptable that in, in 2021, uh, we require a patient to have uh, something to the equivalent of a pain episode or any organ dysfunction before we uh, uh, are alerted to the fact that this individual needs disease management and modification we should be intervening much earlier at a stage where we can keep their red blood cells healthier so that we can maintain their health and prevent these problems from ever developing in the first place. And in an era where we actually have disease-modifying therapies that are currently approved and a number of them in the pipeline, there's no reason why we can't achieve that. All right. So I'm sold, right? I'm sold on this. You guys have both convinced me here. Now, what we need to do is walk through this assay. Let's walk us through this, man. Uh, this is like, remember Magic School Bus? You guys probably don't remember the Magic School Bus. Oh, my, my kids watch that. Are you going to shrink us down and inject us into a, a microfluidic test, Amar? No, I think that's what we got to do. Uh, we're going to shrink down into that school bus, man, and you're going to drive us through this assay. Tell us how this works, man. So the, the unifying concept here is red blood cell health. That's the, the fundamental problem in sickle cell disease from that point mutation affecting hemoglobin, having all type of bad effects inside of the red cell that manifest externally and cause that red blood cell not only to be misshapen and to uh, have a, a, a sickled shape, but to function very abnormally to be sticky and to interact with the blood vessel wall in ways it's not supposed to, to not survive as long as it's supposed to in the circulation. And so the tests that we develop are based on these principles um, that, that really take advantage of this damage that we know is happening to red blood cells and, and use that as a, as a tool we can measure and assess the health of red blood cells. So there's two major tools that we measure. One is called adhesion or stickiness. And the cool thing is that we do this in an environment that looks like the blood vessel. So these, this blood is flowing through this little micro environment that looks like a blood vessel. And if the cells stick to something that looks like the blood vessel wall, then that's something that's abnormal. We can quantify that. We can tell you how many cells are sticking under these very specific conditions. And, and the thing that's most exciting is we've shown that by doing this, when the patient is well, we can put you in a higher low risk uh, uh, group or strata that would say you're at a high or low risk for having a pain event before you actually have that pain event, which gives the, the doctors and healthcare providers and nurse practitioners an opportunity to use these really cool therapies to keep you well as opposed to reacting when you're sick and have to go to the hospital. So that's one of the tests. The other test is something called mechanical fragility. And I think of this like you think about the tires on your car, right? You want to know that the tire on your car 
is getting a low tread or is at risk for blowing before you're on the side of the road. Once you're on the side of the road, we're way too late. So it's sort of like measuring hemolysis or the breakdown of red blood cells by measuring free hemoglobin or hemoglobin that's not inside the cell. We look at intact red blood cells, expose them to a specific kind of stress and, and measure how well your intact red blood cells can, can withstand that stress. And then we can say whether you're at high or low risk for uh, red blood cell survival or hemolysis in the future. And so that's the idea, to measure these properties today and predict the likelihood that bad things could happen down the road and intervene before you, you uh, perceive any of those things happening so that we can keep you healthy as opposed to reacting to illness. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Look, I have a couple questions here. Being a, I mean, I know the answers here, but I'm going to be the warrior uh, advocate here. How much blood of a warrior's is needed to run these tests? That's a great question. And generally, we get about 1.8 cc's of blood, anywhere between 1.8 and 2.7. Not because we need that much blood to run the entire test, but because the the tools that we have to draw the blood require us to collect a minimum of uh, 1.8 to 2.7 cc's of blood, which isn't a lot of blood, even for an anemic patient. And so one of our goals is to constantly innovate and do things better so we can drive down the amount of blood that's needed to do any of this testing. And that that's just like a third or a half of a teaspoon. It's you know probably similar to what you get drawn for any lab test, like a CPC or your kidney function test or something like that. And, and that's correct. And because the, the tests are so efficient with how they use volume, with certain patients, there are other things that we can add on to those tests to do. We can uh, treat those patients with certain types of medications. We'll treat the blood samples with certain types of medications to, to predict how a patient might respond to that particular medication or expose uh, that blood sample to conditions of low oxygen levels and cycle it through those low oxygen levels to determine how well that blood cell will withstand um, sort of the normal oxygen uh, reox de deoxygenation, reoxygenation cycles that happen in the body. What's that test called, Dr. Hines? So that's something we do with the mechanical fragility test. We can do it under um, sort of ambient oxygen, which is the oxygen that we're all breathing right now. Or we can simulate running that test, running that blood sample through the lungs and then to the body where it, it, it loses its oxygen and back to the lungs where it gets that oxygen back again. That cycle is what happens in the body. And to the extent that we can mimic that, we can determine how well a therapy may be improving your red blood cells ability to withstand that normal physiologic stress. So, so you can sort of test out how well a medicine's working outside of the body. So we don't have to wait a year and see how many pain episodes you had. We can use this as sort of a, a marker of how it might help. That's, that's one of the goals. That's one of the goals. Because if I'm, if, if I'm a warrior and, you know, I've got friends and family that, that are warriors and they don't want to feel like they're being experimented on or prescribed a, a therapy without good reason. And they should ask questions and they should have an idea of why this therapy versus another one. 
Um, so it gives the healthcare provider at least some insight into the cellular level uh, phenotype. How different? Because every warrior is different. Some warrior ha- warriors have very sticky red blood cells. And a lot of the problems that those warriors have may be directly related to the fact that they have stickier red blood cells than another warrior who may have more fragile red blood cells or a combination of the two. But the bottom line is now that we're able to measure these things, um, we should at least go into making treatment decisions with that knowledge so we can make better decisions about what to start and, and, and better monitor the response to those therapies, particularly as it relates to normalizing the function of those red blood cells in response to therapy, which should be the first thing that happens before the patient actually perceives a benefit from that medication. Super cool. So Dr. Hines, how long does it take to actually run these tests once you get a warrior's blood? So it doesn't take that long at all. So for the adhesion test, from start to finish, it takes about a half an hour to run the test. There's more analysis that happens on the back end because these are newer tests and because we really care about the data we're giving providers and the data that we're um, uh, uh, creating about each individual warrior. We want to make sure that data is as, uh, uh, is as accurate and precise as possible. So we do a lot of analysis on that data after it's created and before we send it out to the provider. So the providers generally get the information about 48 hours or so after that test is run. And if that information suggests that that warrior may be at higher risk for having an an event uh, such as a pain episode, then we will let the provider know so that they are aware of what that data means. We don't leave it to that provider to figure that out on their own. Um, We make ourselves available to talk about that data and to talk about it in the context of that individual warrior, uh, because that enhances the value of the data to both the healthcare provider and to the uh, uh, and to that sickle cell warrior. Doctors Mike and Amar will be right back after this quick break. Cheat Codes is brought to you today by Global Blood Therapeutics. GBT is a biopharmaceutical company committed to discovering, developing, and delivering life-changing treatments that provide hope to underserved patient communities, including sickle cell disease. GBT is grounded by a mission-driven culture and built with a team of experienced and passionate people committed to making a difference in the communities it serves. Cheat Codes is grateful to GBT for supporting today's episode and for serving the sickle cell community. Can you tell us a little bit about the work that has gone into sort of helping you contextualize or sort of understand, put flags on the map as far as what severe looks like, what normal looks like, and and, and, and the whole gradient in between that? What kind of work has gone into that? Yeah, so there's been decades of work going into this, So, um, and it certainly didn't start with me. Uh, I uh, have been doing this since I was a graduate student at the University of North Carolina and and studying uh, these properties of red blood cells that help us understand uh, what a healthy red blood cell looks like and what an unhealthy red blood cell looks like. 
Um, but, but well before my days in the lab, there were pioneers uh, like uh, Mohandas Narla and Robert Hebel that were doing these uh, studies back in the late 70s, um, where they recognized these abnormal properties in red blood cells. And by the time I was a graduate student in the late 90s, um, it was just fascinating to see the difference between these properties in normal red blood cells versus individuals with sickle cell disease. And within sickle cell disease, to see the broad variation in how some patients have high levels and some patients have low levels. And it, it became really frustrating to see this in the lab, in a research laboratory, and know that my colleagues that were taking care of these patients um, did not have access to this information to help make decisions about these patients. So uh, a study that we conducted uh, here in Detroit, and you guys are a big part of that, uh, the ellipsis study, was uh, one of the things that gave us a lot of information about the difference between people who have high uh, stickiness levels and low stickiness levels. Um, we learned through following patients over a six-month period of time while they were in their home, giving us feedback every day about their perception of their sickle cell disease pain, we learned the relationship between when a patient says they're not in pain and when a patient says they're in pain. And what we learned specifically was that if that individual with sickle cell disease had a red cell health marker that was above a certain level, that they had a higher probability of having a pain event in the future. And we're able to predict that or at least put them in a risk category that would put them at higher risk for having an event in as short of a time as uh, 10 days to two weeks. So that is uh, game changing in my mind in terms of our ability to look at a patient who's doing fine and understand whether they are at a higher low risk of having an event. And now your ability to counsel that patient about risk, to counsel them about therapy and which therapy is, is on par now with what we're doing in other chronic diseases like, uh, like, like many cancers and diabetes and cardiovascular disease. Um, it, it's, it's time that we're able to, to add this level of sophistication in how we take care of individuals with sickle cell disease. So if, if I'm a warrior and I want to get this test, how do I go about doing that? Is it something like I go somewhere and get it or my doctor needs to order it and send it to you? Great question, Dr. C. Your, your doctor needs to order it. So the first thing is every warrior needs to be uh, uh, affiliated with a, a, uh, a medical center and, and healthcare providers that uh, specialize in sickle cell disease. So that's the first thing. And, and there's so many great providers and centers out there. Uh, and there. And now there's so many resources that are available to you in terms of diagnostics and, and therapeutics. We need to get our warriors connected with these centers so these, this, this technology can be accessible to them. So that's step one. Step two is not all providers know about uh, everything that's going on. So just like with any other uh, chronic health condition and, and, and you know, we, we try to educate patients so they're empowered and they can talk to their providers about, uh, you know, things that might be beneficial to them that their provider may or may not be aware of. And so warriors should be educated about these things that are available as well 
and talk to their providers uh, about how they might get access to it. Um, but it would need to be through a, uh, a provider, a specialist uh, in blood diseases that uh, would, would get access to this test for that individual sickle cell warrior. Two questions for you, Dr. Hines. The first one is, is there any chance that a warrior would get stuck with the cost of this test? Get stuck. I, I miss uh, the, what you said. Is there any chance that a warrior would get stuck with the cost of this test? Would a warrior ever get a bill? Thank you for that question. And so with any test that insurance pays for, whether it's Medicare, Medicaid, um, one of the things that we, that the, the hardest thing we have to do with any new test is to convince payers uh, and Medicare and Medicaid being the, the primary ones for sickle cell warriors to pay for these resources that our, our patients need to take better care of themselves. Um, so the first step is getting them to see the value in these tests and to agree to reimburse for them consistently um, uh, at, a, at a specific level. Now, if they don't, it is possible that a warrior could get a bill for a test just like they get bills for anything that insurance doesn't pay for. But one thing that we're committed to is making sure that we have the resources to ensure that uh, no warrior will, will ever be required uh, to pay out of pocket for these tests. That's one thing that we're working very, very hard to do. We have to send bills as it's, it's you know, the, the, the law if these things aren't covered, but our whole goal is working with both providers and Medicare and Medicaid to ensure that we can get these tests covered. But as the, the person who's uh, running the company that's doing these tests, uh, I, I have zero intention of having any warrior come out of, of pocket to pay for these tests. These are things we, we, we're working to keep folks healthy um, and, and, and putting a financial strain on any of our sickle cell warriors is a stress that is not uh, about keeping them healthy. So there's, there's no intention to do that. Absolutely. And as somebody who's sort of worked closely with you over the last several years, I can, I can vouch for the, the commitment and the vision that Functional Fluidics and you, Patrick, have had um, for this community. Um, honestly, it motivated me quite a bit as a young trainee to, to, to really look into the sickle cell space. So thank you for that, you know, that, that push, uh, you know, seeing you uh, guns blazing as a young intensivist around that ICU talking about some lab test you were doing when I was a young trainee didn't make sense then. But, but now in retrospect, it, it's all come together beautifully and it's been amazing to watch. Yeah, it's been, it's definitely been a, uh, a, a, a journey and something that I've been, committed to since the beginning of my career, like I said, in the, in the late 90s uh, at the University of North Carolina. Um, and, and as an intensivist, uh, I'm, you know, the, the person who folks see if they get really sick and have to come into the ICU, um, I, I, the way my brain works, it's all about preventing problems so that I don't have to deal with the uh, sort of catastrophic after effects. And I see anytime a warrior is having a pain crisis, that's a catastrophic event in my mind that uh, ought to be completely avoidable. We ought to be able to, to measure signals in the health of their red blood cells that tell us that they're at risk and intervene in a way that we aren't just managing crises with pain medication 
um, but we're treating the underlying cellular level damage that is a fundamental part of the disease. And again, now that we have therapies that can help us modify the, uh, the, the disease at the most fundamental level, we've got to be more sophisticated about the diagnostics so we can find the patients uh, who are in need, find the patients who, who would benefit more from one therapy versus another, and then make sure they're responding in a way that's actually going to get them better. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that that's so imperative. It's something we've been missing. It's something we haven't had. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very important need that uh, has not been fulfilled. Let me ask you this. We've talked a little bit as we're finishing up this conversation. You know, we've talked a lot about the clinical utility of this new assay um, in Warriors. Can you tell us a little bit about how you're working to use the tools that you have now to push forward the research agenda in sickle cell disease? Thanks for that question, Dr. Z. I think the, the research is as important as uh, the, the actual clinical care because the only way we advance clinical care, the only reason we have these therapies that are currently FDA approved and all the ones in the pipeline um, and, and the other diagnostics that, that many other really smart folks are working on is through research. And so that's got to continue. So our goal is to make our platform available for anyone trying to understand how to better treat and manage sickle cell disease. So we uh, collaborate with pharmaceutical companies that are developing disease-modifying therapies to make sure that they have a validated, reliable tool to measure uh, what exactly these medications are doing, to measure in what patients these medications best respond, and also to uh, assess how well in each individual patient is responding to these medications, um, which we think can give us a much better idea about the relationship between the clinical response and the cellular level response um, that we can see in a much earlier time frame. So we're working really hard with our pharmaceutical partners, with our academic partners as well, who are helping us to uh, better understand the relationship between red blood cell health and other outcomes, such as kidney damage and kidney disease and liver disease and, and lung disease and heart failure. You know, we couldn't do it without these types of collaborations. And, and that's one of the most exciting parts of what we do. Look, man, I'm just I'm just so excited that this number one, this assay exists. Number two, that it exists in Detroit. And of course, you know, beyond that, I'm I'm just thrilled that, um, you know, the, that this assay is picking up all this momentum because it absolutely deserves to be cemented in the landscape of sickle cell disease therapeutics and and just, you know, understanding of, of what sickle cell disease is and how it works. You know, if we've learned anything about sickle cell disease, it's that we don't know a lot about sickle cell disease at sort of the biologic level. And you're shedding some light on that. And, and for that, we're very appreciative of, of all the work you're doing, Dr. Hines. Thank you to you and the Functional Fluidics team for everything you guys do for this community. Yeah, well, Dr. Z, thank you for, for cheat codes, for, for giving a forum, not only for uh, my team at Functional Fluidics, but for uh, the many amazing folks who've sat across from you guys and, and, and had conversations about um, you know, the, the work being done in sickle cell disease. You guys have, have captured and, and chronicled uh, some of the, the great pioneers in this area who've done some amazing things. And I think 
folks are going to look back at these episodes and, and, and be able to really capture that history uh, firsthand from the folks who are actually involved in it, from the Warriors themselves to the advocates to you know, football players and, and, and journalists and, um, and scientists and, 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 and healthcare providers and hematologists. Um, this is just an amazing forum that you guys have made available. And, and I thank you guys for just uh, doing your part and helping to get the word out so the world knows what's, what's happening uh, with sickle cell disease and with these very special warriors that we care so much about. My man, I appreciate those kind words. Now, before we let you go, tell the warriors how they find out more about what functional fluidics is doing. I am uh, being educated more on how to be more social media savvy, uh, but the, the best place to go is to visit our website. It's www.functionalfluidics, that's F-U-N-C-T-I-O-N-A-L-F-L-U-I-D-I-C-S.com, www.functionalfluidics.com. Uh, all of the information that I talked about, there's videos, there's educational literature, um, it's, it's all there. You can find out anything you want to know and you can contact us if you want to uh, get some direct feedback or, or even talk to me directly. I'm, I'm more than happy to, to connect with anyone who wants to learn more. There you have it, Warriors. Dr. Hines, thanks again. Hopefully we'll see you on, on another episode of Cheat Codes. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Dr. Z.